You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 2031 is the, the time that we need to cut off the beginning of this and not post it to a podcast. <laughs> Oh, God, that was a nightmare. All right. <sighs> well, we were going to do a whole, like, intro and, like, talk about stuff and all that. You now get one sentence to say what it, what is your general impressions about what the NFL news leading up to this. Um, so, salute to general impressions. Um, that uh, player from the Philadelphia Eagles, um, bad guy. I hope he gets what's coming to him if he's indeed convicted and found guilty of, of his charges. And the Super Bowl should be fun. Uh, they were arguably the two best teams the rest of the season after about the week six point of the year. And we're getting the two best teams in football facing off in the Super Bowl. So should be a fun time. Again, apologies to all the listeners and everything. It doesn't happen. <laughs> it does, it doesn't like happen. That happens all that often where you truly get like the best two teams. So that's pretty cool. No, it does not. It does not happen. But we do have a we have another show that's going to come on after us, and we have a whole mock thing <laughs> that we got to get through. So, um, since we're probably going to cut the first twenty minutes of this for podcast listeners, how this is was going to work and how it will work in the future. So, original game plan was about every two weeks we're going to do a mock draft for you. A couple rules: uh, Danny and I will would alternate who does Pro Football Focus, who does Pro Football Network. Um, you can't. Only uh, in this one in particular, one trade only. Don't go crazy with it. Uh, we were originally maybe going to do like a don't do a trade, but at this point, come on now, Bears are going to trade. There's no point for them to be at number one. Um, and don't repeat players. That's another rule. So um, for those of you who are going to listen to episode three of the mocks and you're like, why the heck did neither Danny Mason take Jalen Carter? The it's like, yeah, because we did it probably two, a week or two ago. So watch the other ones. <laughs> On that note... And we are- and I mean, the, the listeners wouldn't be wrong. We are stupid. So. Oh, 100%. But on that note, <laughs> Pro Football Network is broken. I don't know what's going on. So at 4 a.m. this morning, I was doing my picks. And I was getting stuff ready and da 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 I did all my stuff. And you'll see in a second why I spent so much time doing this. But then I get to, and I'm looking at Danny's picks that he sends me. And the picks are, the, the numbers are just different. And I was like, wait, did Danny or did I do multiple picks? No. Pro Football Network just doesn't have the right picks for some of them. Like, they don't have like a seventh round pick for the Bears, apparently, for example. They don't have, they had him at like 220 as one of the picks instead of 210 or something of that nature. So mine are going to look weird because I use Pro Football Network. There are a couple there that are right, whatever. Danny's going to have all the right ones. We still had about 10 and 11 each. And at the end of the day, it's just about looking at, at prospects. So, eh. and we also need to preface this by saying we are both going to be very wrong on these mods. Mocks are never what you think, especially this early in the process. We're just getting to true draft season for a lot of the, the the analysts and everything. And it's early February. There are guys that are going to rise. There are guys that are going to fall. It, there's going to be guys you've never heard of, and myself included, who's going to watch a couple hundred of these guys when it's all said and done, that you're going to be like, who? 
it's just one of the guys you sent i i struggled to find a good you'll see in a second a good picture for him and it was like i I didn't i didn't think you were a football player but that's that's fine (laughs) i refuse to believe you're not a madden creative player in a draft class that's what i refuse (laughs) to essentially (laughs) but now i'm gonna throw up here what i spent that entire morning doing this uh beautiful presentation of our of our mock drafts Oh, ooh, I am excited. Look at this. See, guys, this is what you get. Oh, and he's got – oh, my God. he's Look at me. He's got me with a beard. <laughs> so, for reference, I haven't had yeah, a be- beard uh, in three hard, years. Hard to find a picture of you. <laughs> There's a reason for that. <laughs> uh. So, uh, yeah, during this endeavor, um, I'm going to be Ryan Poles. Yeah, you can be either Ian Cunningham or or Eberflus for obvious reasons. Um, I think I need to be Eberflus, right, since I'm the stand for him. I'm the guy who's like, you needed Matt Eberflus. <laughs> I would just think because I was, like, the thicker between the two of us. And so, like, you know, thick boys ride together between me and Poles. I, I really just assumed you were saying that I was white. <laughs> See, that's where I would play the little drum thing if I didn't have other sounds queued up. Uh, but <laughs> progressing into our actual mock. So this is Danny's first in terms of the trade he did. So want to talk us through that a little bit, Danny? Yeah, so I think, full disclosure, um, that the Colts are the most realistic trading point at this port. The issue I run into is I try to use the charts and I try to get it to where it's an even trade based on point systems and whatnot. And it's just not like feasible because you can take these teams for a ride when they're trading up to that number one pick. Oh, Is it rough. possible they get oh, it's rough. Yeah, like and it's like I tried to not get too greedy, so I gave them the the downgrade to the to the light later fifth along with the first round pick and they gave me four a second their fourth rounder, their fifth rounder, and their first rounder next year. And even that's probably on the heavier side of what they'd be willing to part with, if if I'm being honest. But it just felt like a move that maybe they'd give it the extra fourth as part of moving up because they're desperate to go get their choice of quarterback. Yeah, and we talked about that a little bit in, in that uh, super intro I did. But these these simulators are ridiculous, right? I mean, like, you'll see it when you see my trade, too. Again, I'm not. If they offer it to me, I'm just gonna do it. It's fine. It, this is all for fun. This is all just to get an idea of what's available. Like what, what, what players? It is what it is. They're just nuts. Oh, it's absolutely a, an act in futility. It means nothing. It's for fun. But first off, oh, look at first with his fourth overall pick. Boom. So why, sir, did you take Mr. Will Anderson Jr.? So here I had a conundrum because I was almost sure when I was doing this that Jalen Carter was going to be there at four. Lord behold, after the trade down to four, uh, Carter was taken by the Arizona Cardinals at number three. Will Anderson was literally a byproduct of he's arguably the best prospect in this class regardless of position. He is a fantastic pass rusher. He's got great mobility, transfers speed to power, gets to the quarterback, stops the run. He is ideally one of the better edge prospects in recent years, even above 
in my opinion, at this point, probably even higher than someone like Aiden Hutchinson last year or the guy who went number one overall to the Jaguars out of Georgia, whose name I'm currently drawing a blank on. Um, okay, well, that doesn't matter. Um, my brain went to Kayvon Thibodeau, and I know that's not it. So, Kayvon Thibodeau is incorrect. He went to the Giants, I believe. Like right. Like, for some reason, my brain went right to him. Yeah. It's like, that's not who. That's not the right guy. But um, – I'd be hard to it'd be hard to get any sort of upset at Will Anderson. He's a fabulous football player, and I think he would do a very fine job for the Chicago Bears going forward. The issue is, yes, Trayvon Walker. Thank you, Skokes. Um, I think the issue you would run into is that I think Matt Eberflus likes bigger, bulkier defensive linemen especially given they are a 40 front scheme with the cover two. And he's not all that large. He's 6'2", 6'3", and like 245-ish pounds. And yeah. that that would have made more sense in Lovey's version of the cover two, who really prided themselves on smaller, slicker, faster defensive linemen. But if you go look at what he had in Indianapolis when they were really humming with those guys, it was a bigger defensive end bigger defensive tackles like uh like DeForest Buckner and uh Grover or Grover Glover something Grover I forget Cleveland. his Grover Cleveland that's it and is that really his name that is not the name of a president I was no it's no it's Grover Scro- Gro- <laughs> I, I God you're I am frazzled from getting on this show <laughs> Grover uh, Cleveland officially one of the best three Texans ever not Glover Glover to share is a mixed martial artist shut up phone uh but he he just doesn't fit that mold, but at a certain point, it is talent over everything else, and he is arguably talent and production wise the best player in this draft at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. You know, do you just go with in theory someone who's supposed to be this blue chip guy that trans will transcend the the body that you're trying to look for, maybe uh, right? Flues, and you know, there's some concerns because he was so good last year and had some well fell off the production a little bit this year. Um, some some people are arguing, you know, they got double team more, but I think if you look at the rates, they're similar. There's there's stuff. I mean, everyone's going to have their blemishes, uh, but mm-hmm. he is as by most draft pundits, most people, he's a home run pick. So I you can't go wrong with with that choice. Cannot go wrong with it. No, I, I'd be remiss if anyone was actually upset at the Bears landing Will Anderson Jr. The beginning of the rest of it. Oh my god, it'd be great. Um, so this is the trade I did. So I give away the number Ooh. one pick. And again, I just took what I was given. It's Do I think this is going to happen? No, I don't. You know, to give up, this is nuts. Give up two first-round picks this year. You're, the pick 33, which is kind of first-ish, and then a f- two f- nuts. I just mainly did this for today. A, because I didn't want to go through and make my own. I just wanted to take what I had, was given. But also B, to highlight, chill out on the simulators. Like, if I end up seeing another mock that has the Bears making, like, you know, five first-round picks this year... <laughs> kind of some seriousness behind it. I'm gonna lose my mind. Oh, but that's where what, I got some. Of my you're picks. probably gonna. So I'll, I'll, you're probably gonna lose your mind. <laughs> CJ Shroud. But with that the Bears are back on the clock. I got to pick number two, so I didn't fall into unfortunate Danny's dilemma. My man, Jalen Carter, was sitting there waiting to be picked and picking up quarterbacks and, and demolishing them. 
you know, attack or just six foot three, 311 pounds. Just he has this nice combo of athletic ability, power, violence that and just a, so many pass rush tools that make him a pretty clear first round pick explosive and viable in all parts of the defense. Uh, as a junior this year, he played in 10 games. He missed five with an MCL injury, uh, but he contributed on 308 snaps, recorded 18 tackles, seven assists, and 20 stops. As a pass rusher, he had 25 pressures, 17 QB hurries. Uh, he had five QB hits and three sacks, again, from the D-tackle position. 13% of his pass rushes last season created pressure, according to True Media, and they also reported a tackle on 17.1% of his run defense snaps. He's got pretty amazing change of direction, lateral speed, and he can play really anywhere on that line. Uh, one tech, two I, three tech, five tech. Great instincts as a pass rusher. Uh, but when he, he does get a little stuck sometimes, uh, when he gets his head up, doesn't sh- always shed to make the play, and doesn't play with some pad level. And then sometimes he has disappeared a little bit. I mean, you saw in the national championship game that, you know, he wasn't necessarily where you thought he would be, you know, on the greatest stage. So, was what, what was the reasoning behind that? I can't say. But what I can say is when he does show up, he shows up and wrecks things. Yes. Monster. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, Ma- Seriously, I, I think, I, I, I think I at think this point, Mason and I are both in agreement. If we had it our way, Jalen Carter is wearing a Bears uniform after the draft. Like that. And I think there's yes. a layer to that, too, where I don't know if you agree with this, but I think the edge depth is also better than the D tackle depth and you could potentially still get a solid edge later. Um, but I, don't, I, I mean, that was my perspective, but I don't know about what you I, think I, about that. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I can, I've only gotten so far within draft prep so far and I've only gotten through some of the bigger names and with us doing the building the board project on Windy City Gridiron, I've really been focusing on two positions that I'm trying to get ahead on before delving into the rest of it. So I've gotten through some of the bigger ones but I haven't gotten to like the middle round guys to really say, yeah, I think the edges are better. The defensive tackles are better kind of thing. I, I'm just not comfortable saying that without having the requisite film watched as it were. No, and that's fair. You said earlier in the show, I mean, we're going to get so much more data over the next couple of months. I mean, this is just a fun activity then to introduce names and you're absolutely right to make any outlander statements would be, would be, would be wrong to do. Sure. I get to go again because I had traded and got another first round pick because that's very, very likely. Oh, big Mason. Pro football network. Um, (laughs) And on my board sitting there, I had Broderick Jones, another four, 315 pounds. There are some uh, draft smart people that are saying that they think that, you know, Jones could end up being the number one tackle by the, by draft day. Um, just depending on how the combine goes and everything like that. Two sport athlete in high school, dominant in basketball, which is pretty, which I think is awesome. Uh, he has been reported at 19 miles per hour on GPS trackers in 2022. He was playing 13 games and gave up only eight quarterback hurries, one quarterback hit and didn't allow a sack at, while playing at left tackle. Uh, he, has elite length and power, able to torque and hold defenders with one arm, great in space with lateral agility, athletic to use vertical and diagonal sets and pass protection, but also explosive enough to cast to create some steep angles on rushers. Uh, elite grip strength, you rarely see once he gets his mitts on someone that he'll let them go. Uh, he only started 19 games, though. 
Um, so you can kind of see it with some of his unrefined technique. Uh, tends to lean and bend at the waist a bit, causing some balance issues, and can be a little over-aggressive sometimes. So balance issue, over-aggressive, and that means you're falling. I mean, it didn't show in sacks, but you know you can see that a little bit in the run game. Yeah, yeah, it'd be hard to Danny's get mad at that. I think. Oh boy. Oh, this. So okay. So I actually have watched this guy, and I, I like him. <laughs> so in case you keep see me looking down, I've got notes here because I'm a nerd and I don't do things on my phone. I do them with pen and paper. <laughs> so. With the second pick and third and 35th overall, I went with Siaki Ika, the defensive tackle out of Baylor. He is 6'4, 350 plus pounds. So he's kind of built like a like an oversized fire hydrant, if you look at him. He's just gigantic and like not, gi- not gigantic like in the way of like DeForest Buckner, where he looks like a defensive, like a like a power forward who's put on way too much muscle. He's he's like only six four or so, but just that all that mass in his midsection and his in his butt and, and thighs, he's really well put together. Tremendous power. You see him able to when he puts his hands on someone, he is physically moving them around a little bit. He and you know what, for a guy his size, he does move pretty well. He's not like I don't know. How, I don't know who a good comp would be. He's not Eddie Goldman. Like the Eddie Goldman we remember of most recent vintage, where it was like he would hold his ground, but he's not really going anywhere. He's just like kind of there. He he can do that. He can actually shoot gaps. He he gets he gets his body on the ball carrier a lot, and he does actually tend to push the pocket a little bit because he does have these like really long arms that once he engages and and, and commits to to pushing forward, he's able to get himself towards the quarterback. Now. He's not without like some issues. That's why he's probably. I think he might go, might go in the early part of the second round. He, unless some team at the end of the first falls in love, but I think this is probably right around his his best case scenario, top of the second, um, because he is so strong. He does tend to kind of play without technique a lot of times. He's just kind of. Like oh I strong bear bear move tree kind of thing, but he just doesn't it doesn't always work for him like on a consistent basis, and it does seem as though for as good a motor as he can have, it endurance might be an issue, which I'm sure as you know, well know Mason, it's probably because he's heavy and moving that much weight, moving that much weight and size around makes a person makes a body tired. But if they were to walk away with him, I think that'd be tremendous, especially because I think it'd be a mistake in the offseason if they didn't show up at Duran's pain at the start of free agency with a briefcase full of money to make sure he's a bear, <laughs> like, kind of thing. And I think those two could even coexist with one another just because of the way that they are both adept pass rushers at from the interior position, despite both being more of a quote-unquote nose guard or nose tackle. Yeah, I think you and I have said this multiple times, especially near the end of the year, where there was, what, one, two positions on the defense specifically where you could pencil them as starters for next year. 
So mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, yeah, go get a Deron Payne and then follow it up with him. I mean, there's no reason not to if he's sitting there and you truly think he fits your scheme. Like you now, well, have especially a especially line. be especially because the the run defense was so bad. You all of a sudden put those two in the middle. Deron Payne, people forget because of his 11 sack performance this year, he cut his teeth in the NFL as a run stopper. That's where he made his bones initially. It wasn't until this year that he really became a pass rusher out of that nose tackle position. Yep, absolutely. So it's, 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 it's important to say the least. I mean, that's, and that's underselling it. So this one was interesting. It was a combo. I'm putting them together just because we're not double dipping too much on it. I ended up taking this person at pick 33. Danny ended up getting them at pick 54. NL Washington tight end out of Georgia. Um, I thought it was funny. I have three Georgia players in a row. I didn't even realize that until I was started making this. And I was like, oh, apparently I'm just taking their team. It's fine. Um, but he is Mason, the Georgia six Bulldogs. Foot seven, 265 pounds. Oh, yeah. Huge. Just surround Justin. Um, he was a five star recruit in 2020. And he was already at six foot seven, 265 at that point, And he's just gotten like bigger, honestly. Um, he had a, only 26 catches for 417 yards and two scores, but that's not his best thing, right? His best thing is uh, is this blocking. Um, it's, he's yeah. a, he operates as a split full blocker on split zone concepts. And Georgia had so many weapons, he didn't he was needed as much to be you know get a lot of targets. But I mean, he does make the most of his chances. The problem is he's a little he's gangly. He doesn't explode out of his breaks. Doesn't create a lot of uh, separation. So sometimes he also struggles to win at the pad level and block it too. The size is a bit like it hurts him sometimes. So it almost looks like he probably got to that size at a at like a later age. Like he didn't like it's like maybe from sixteen to seventeen or seventeen to eighteen he just sprouted. Like I don't know what his background is on that, like his pubescent era of life, but. A lot of times it almost looks like he's trying to learn to figure out his body in a sense. Like he's trying to coordinate himself for being this like big. Sh- giraffe. Correct. Like he ju- he is a man child and he's he's actually got surprisingly soft, natural looking hands. He doesn't really have he's not fighting the football, but he is very much a work in progress more than anything. And it's but it's just the the physical attributes is what you're banking on. And I think the th- the thing that's nice about him is like compare him to like a Kyle Pitts. With Kyle Pitts, he's gonna ca- he's catching the ball, and that's kind of what you, you get. And also, that's a whole other conversation because the Falcons basically tried making him this heavy blocker, and he just wasn't a heavy blocker. With Darnell Washington, like he is a blocker first, will very much help your run game, and then if he can produce and use that size to become a big receiver, like a I don't know, I think almost Dallas Goddard just because of bulky and big Dallas Goddard is um then then that's a plus so I get it with the Dallas Goddard thing but Dallas will run away from you I don't really think Darnell I don't think Dallas is I don't think Darnell is going to run away from you no I don't he doesn't have a good comp I'm trying to think of someone that legitimately does and he just has this funky combo of that size and some athleticism but just not the explosiveness it's weird yeah, I don't know what a good comp for him would be, uh, like because even like because Jimmy Graham was in that same realm of size, but Jimmy would run away from people in his day. I don't know. It, it's 
he's a unicorn. That's all. That's all it is to him. Yeah, I mean, the, I remember watching it. He reminded me almost of like, I know the size isn't, but it almost reminded me the way he plays of like Charles Barkley in football pads. Just that big physical guy. Like, just give me the ball and get out of my damn way. What a backhanded <laughs> compliment. I mean, when you compare someone to the round mound of pound, like I don't know that you're happy about it. Oh yeah, only one of the seventy, fifty or so greatest basketball players ever is being compared to you in football cleats. God, what a what a problem! Oh come on, man! <laughs> was, was that your? Uh, well, and you can't spell terrible correctly. You're saying it right. He says T- that constantly. T R B L terrible. That's terrible. Okay. <laughs> What All right, back to me. Here? Round two, pick fifty-three. We're starting to get to the to the weird part of the draft where the picks aren't going to make some sense on my end. So just bear with me. It, again, Pro Football Network. If you are listening to this, because I know you listen to all of our content, obviously, who doesn't listen to our content? Fix your stuff and get back to me because I would like to have multiple <laughs> models, but I'm not going to get there. I went back to the trenches, um, and I'm going to take John Jacob Jingleheim Schmitz. Off uh, center, Minnesota, six foot four, three hundred twenty pounds. He was a uh, three star recruit. Played high school football in Homewood Flossmore High School in Flossmore, Illinois. He was also a high school wrestler. So, guy after my own heart. Uh, he can get outside the one technique off a of snap pretty well when moving laterally, which shows great athleticism for a center. And he can also give himself enough space to flip his hips, which is pretty tough in those tight trenches. Uh, there's he- a lateral burst out of his stance, that allows him to work across his face as well. He's got yeah, the IQ uh, to play center in the NFL. A uh, powerful center that offers a kind of stature that would shine in inside zone and between the tackle run gap system. Problem is uh, he's not very dynamic. I mean, he's not very explosive. Needs to work on his pad level, and he will be 24 years old as a rookie. Uh, he's probably the best zone center prospect in this draft as well, which they seem to do a lot of here in Chicago, at least a vintage so I, I wouldn't be shocked if they like him. I'm interested to see how he measures out and everything once the official measurements come out be, because that sort of stuff does, for, especially for linemen, matter. And we know that colleges fly about size and weight all the time. Oh, 100%. So, yeah, the combine's going to be big for him, seeing what that looks like. Um, obviously, we don't know what the Bears are going to do in free agency. Um but when you look ahead to what that could look like, I don't know that anyone is like wowed by the center options. Um, you're probably going to go get a veteran that you're like, okay with, and then probably draft someone. And so why not get who arguably could be the best center in the league? Um, mm-hmm. The age thing is annoying, I guess at being 24, but at the end of the day, are you that worried about your center and going to your second contract and all that jazz? Eh. So it's also, I'm an admittedly an ageist, ageist fanalist. I don't like old rookies, but it when it comes to linemen, specifically on the offensive line, they tend to have longer careers as it is, so I can live with it a little more, especially in this, at the back end of the second round for a guy that could all, theoretically walk in and just be your day one center. Yeah. One of the few times that the ageism is not as, as important. Correct. Danny, you're great. Oh. Pick 64. Ooh. Okay. You're going to get me to gush because Talk this, about is, this, man. this is Diane Henley from Washington State by way of UNLV, if memory serves. So he is 
probably the modern era or this era's prototypical linebacker, about 6'2", 6'3", 230, 35 pounds, something like that. Tremendous athlete. He's got good – like if you look at – even looking at his picture, he's pretty well filled out muscularly. got, you know, the big hips, broad chest, and he's got really long arms, which is something you have to keep in mind when it comes to the linebackers for Matt Eberflus specifically because what was the big thing with Bobby Okariki and uh, Shaq, Shaq Leonard? Long arms real long, almost like tree vines attached to their, attached to their shoulders. He, he's really good in coverage. He still is learning the art behind read and react versus just kind of guessing where he's going, but he's just such an athletic problem at this point in his career where it's just like he can get away with it. And I really like, what he could be in this system, especially specifically at that will position. And I just think that this, he would almost be tailor made for this coaching staff, given their, this front offices acumen or, and want for athletic specimens and the physical profile that Eberflus seems to covet in his linebackers. I think that that would be almost like a match made in heaven between the two. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I mean, he's he's that hybrid linebacker that the NFL is starting to, to move to uh, It. Is he the greatest run stuffer, stack linebacker in the world? No, but that's probably not what we're going to no, ask he, him to do. He, he tries though. He he does come downhill with some with some thunder, and he he gives it his best. But he's that's not what he's built for. Exactly. And if and if the will linebacker, what the way we know that the position works, the tackles are supposed to be funneling it, the funneling the ball carrier to him. He's not going to be taking theoretically a lot of head on blocks on. He's going to be there to clean up. And that's why you have a Jack Sanborn to just be in the way. And then you let him do all the other work. <laughs> oh, Jack. <laughs> I'm back up. Round three, pick 64. Stuck with the offense. Zach Charbonnet, running back, UCLA, six foot one, 220. Uh, kind of a quiet demeanor guy when you hear watch interviews on him. It's but when he gets on the field, there's like a switch that flips and he just runs nasty. Uh, is a senior in 2022, played in 10 games, ran for 1,358 yards on 194 carries, averaging seven yards per carry, 14 touchdowns, only one fumble. And the passing game, he had 37 receptions for 320 yards. He's not really a shifty guy, kind of, he's just gonna run through you. It's just he's north south, has the feet and feel to run between the tackles to the open field pretty good vision, uh, really good contact balance, hard to bring down, um, 
you're not going to get him with an arm tackle very much just because of his leg churn. Uh, like I said, workhouse type mentality, hard runner. Doesn't have great change of direction when he goes. He definitely slows down. His acceleration is a little more questionable. So he's more like fast than quick. Uh, you're not, he's not going to make him miss. Again, he's just going to run through you. Um, and he needs to work on his pass protection, which if you've heard that before, um, that might be a problem considering, you know, at a minimum, then you have him, Khalil Herbert, whoever you have as your other free, probably free agent running back acquisition. That, that other one better uh, be able to block someone. That's one of my favorite picks that you've made so far, aside from Jalen Carter, because I think from the running backs I've watched, he's probably the best fit, in my opinion, for the offensive system that Getze is trying to run in Chicago. I just love the way he is almost like drop in and he just, he's fine. Don't worry about him. Yeah, I think he's someone that could push for, you know, a rook, the rookie running back of the year kind of guy just in the right – Just he's just going to get yards. He's going to get yards of scores. <laughs> That's the thing. And I think he – if memory serves, he got to UCLA when he was at Ohio State prior, wasn't he? Charbonnet? I could be making that up, but for some reason I thought he yes, was. Yes, actually. I forgot to throw that up. I, I think you're right. I have to double-check on that. Um, I put pretty much pulled more of his UCLA. So I haven't really watched. Yeah, I watched like mainly this year's film on him. I haven't gone back too far. Your turn. Round four. Pick 103. A.T. Pelly. Not like the city in France. That's Pelly. This is Perry. I don't know why. I'm, what is wrong with me? But there's a lot of stuff. So. First thing that pops up. That was just awful. It was. I don't even deserve the digits. Uh, the first thing <laughs> no, that I'm not really. Enough for that. <laughs> the first thing that really, I think, catches my eye when I watch AT is the the sheer size of him. He's probably every bit of six four and a half, six five. He's a big human being, but he moves like a smaller wide receiver. Like it's really smooth, and he gets up on guys on him that are covering him very quick if they're in off coverage. Um, Very strong, natural hands catcher. Just his issue was that he played at Wake Forest. Like they don't, they're not a great program. They're, you're left leaving, left lot wanting a lot, but he does have, he does have natural playmaking instincts. He high points the ball. Well, he competes after the catch as evidenced by his, uh, his little celebration here in the picture Mason found of him to throw in our slideshow. Um, and I, what I really like is something that I think the bears like too. It's a big reason why I believe they traded for Claypool. I think they like guys that compete after the catch in terms of running hard and trying to make something happen in the run after catch thing. And he, not that it's a, a comparison, but for player for player, but it almost reminds me a bit of a, the way golden Tate used to run after the catch mm-hmm. where he would just, like it was just bad out of hell. Like I want more yards, kind of thing, and I like that about him. Now he he is a little stiff and lacks a lo- little bit of a how we say high end athleticism in terms of like change of direction, stop start, and ability to cut and go. But that's I think part of the nature of just his size. He is just big. I mean, that's a six five receiver. That's a really you know tall guy out there on the edge. So. I think he'd be a really nice uh, fit in this offense, but you're going to have to be patient with him. Being especially, not only is he a rookie, potentially he is a mid-round rookie. 
I think we've just been so spoiled with wide receivers these past few years with Jamar Chase, amongst others, just coming in and producing at such a high level right away. We don't remember that it takes a year or two for these guys to acclimate to the NFL. That's a really good point you bring up. Um, you almost fall into this this unfortunate thing. Like I think, for example, Jalen Johnson and Cole Komet had a little bit of this where because the Bears didn't have their first-round pick that year, you were like, okay, you're now – like you had such high expectations for those two to contribute right away and be awesome. And in theory, he's now in, in your mock that you have. Like he's the main – like the little eye candy of wide receiver that you're bringing mm-hmm. in for the offseason. So everyone's going to look at him and be like, okay, you're the guy that got brought in. What are you going to do for us? Yeah. And what, you can't what, do, what, you do that. It's like the Bob's interviewing uh, what's his name in office space. So what exactly is it that you do here? <laughs> you you got to give him time. He is a, what? Yeah. Fourth round pick <laughs> that needs to develop from Wake Forest. Now, in theory, in theory, this is again just my personal opinion. I think they're going to double dip at wide receiver and free agency. I just do, and we also have to get out of our minds that this receiver room is going to go from awful to great in one off season. Them just becoming passable with like a bunch of B's and C's for him to throw to is a victory. Like personally, what I would do if I were the Bears, I would sign both. DJ Chark and uh, and not Amon Ross St. Brown. I wish he was available. And uh, Lazard from Green Bay and just get him a bunch of passable targets to have to throw to. That's what I would do, but it remains to be seen what's going to actually happen. Yes, the that wide receiver room is, is going to look very different. It's just a matter of, of how different. Uh, I'm back up. Actually, same pick. Pick round four, pick 103. I flipped back to the defensive side of the ball to Mr. Uh, DJ Edge out of Oregon. Uh, six foot four, 270 pounds. It's just a, a large individual. Um, he's been contributing for a while now. As a junior, played in nine games on 152 stacks, uh, snaps, excuse me, and recorded 10 tackles, one assist, and eight stops. Pass rusher, he had five pressures, three QB hits, and a sack. In, again, only in those nine games. And then in 2022, he was also able, he was able to get 20 tackles, 10 assists, 17 stops, uh, and even had like a pass breakup. Didn't get an interception, but uh, the QB rating went uh, went targeted of a 95.5, which is not bad for a pass rusher. And he had 20 total pressures, 21 QB hurries, two QB hits, and five sacks in that last season. He's a pretty flexible dude, got some really nice athletic skills and top end speed for his size. He can drop into the zone if needed, as I described earlier. His powerful hands to hit blockers, disrupts plays in the backfield regularly. Part of the problem is with all this athleticism and this nose for trying to get to the quarterback, he kind of dips on the run sometimes and um, just says, now nah, I'm going to do some other stuff. Uh and he also has some pretty long arms and some a pretty narrow waist on that frame. So his anchor is a little funky. He can get knocked off uh, if you have the right tackle or uh, or block thrown at him. And while walking off the field at Resser Stadium after a loss to the Beavers, uh, he appeared to punch an Oregon State fan in the back of the head before being dragged away from the situation by, by Oregon staffers. It's currently unclear if he will face any discipline or if authorities will get involved. So knowing poles and Eberflus and all that, they may not even want to get mixed up in that situation. Mm. It's fair. 
And that's the thing, too. We're now getting to the part of the draft where Danny's going to start saying people I have no idea who they are, and I'm going to start saying people <laughs> that Danny currently doesn't know who they are. So it just is what it is. Um, talk to us in two months, three months. But Danny knows if you pick 106 at round four. This is Chase Brown, running back from University of Illinois by way of Canada, I believe. Um, so the first thing that that stands out to me about Chase Brown is that he is built the part. He's 5'11", 200-plus pounds, and he looks like an NFL running back. And then you turn him on and you start watching a lot of the Big Ten, Big Ten matchups, and the, he just accelerates and hits the hole. He gets to top gear and he just goes. A lot in this way in the same vein as Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert's no nonsense. Get to the hole, get upfield. I think Chase might be a little bit more twitchy than Khalil Herbert, which is saying something, but it's not like it's night and day. Like, oh, you can totally tell. Um, where he separates himself from Khalil is that he has very natural hands. He's a threat in the pass game. You have to account for him taking the top off the defense. And something that I always look for going into the college season is Bruce Feldman's freaks list of the best athletic freaks in college football. He was on this list. Something that I think this Bears front office very much values, athletic prowess, not just guys that are football players. So you factor all that in. You factor in college production, the fact that he's a good catcher of the football, productive in the run, scores touchdowns, et cetera, et cetera. I think Brown would be very, very good in this system, but I don't I just don't know where his value is. Because once you start getting past those elite running backs in the NFL draft, it's kind of just choose your flavor. I like Chase Brown. Maybe it's because I just have easier access to him watching him live before going back and watching film because I live in Chicago kind of thing? Or is it because I just genuinely think he is the next best in that second or third tier of running backs? I don't know the answer to the question yet. What I do know is I like his game. I like what he brings to the table. And I think he does have capability of being an almost every down back because of his ability to both run and catch. And he has the frame seemingly to stand up to it. Well, yeah, and you bring up a valid point too where proximity and accessibility. I mean, there's a reason why local guys, whether it's because they grew up with their high school or their, their college was local, end up on local teams. It's because, you know, not just you get combine and pro, day, and pro days are more easily accessible, but then you have the local workouts that also happen. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if a Chase Brown pops into one of those and you just have more eyes. The more eyes, more often you get seen on a team whether it's drafted or as an undrafted free agent for some of the you know guys later later in, in, in this process so it's an absolutely valid point yeah i like chase i think he'd be a nice fit here i'm back up round four pick 134 i'm taking parker washington I love Parker. One thing I was confused by was the fact he was I don't I was confused that he was available here. Um again, this is probably just also a difference of the, the simulator I used. Uh, so that because I think you see him going some times earlier. But um a lot of draft beatniks are, you know, saying day th- early day three, late two, late day two kind of guy as of right now. 
207 pounds, versatile wide receiver that plays well in the slot. Um, 2022, he had 46 receptions for 611 yards and two touchdowns. Great hands and contact balance. He's just like a slippery mobility, strong acceleration, and a pretty creative runner without the ball in his hand. He's a really dense player. He's almost like a running back playing wide receiver in a way. I mean, he was and he was an important part of that Penn State team, but he was never like the dude. That and that was part of his problem. Be, you know, he's a uh, cousins, I believe, with Jahan Dotson, who was also who was there. He was always kind of second fiddle. Um, but he does also have experience as a kick returner, which is nice. Um, and he had an injury at the near the end of the season that hurt his development. It was never a disclosed injury. So I have no idea what he had. No one's talking about it. Couldn't find anything. But uh, I think he's an interesting guy, especially to be able to play out of the slot and give Justin an option in, in that position. Sure. I, I he, he did pop up last year when I was evaluating Jahan Dotson. And if anyone who remembers listening to Lunchpad last year with uh, Jacob and I knows how big a fan of Jahan Dotson I was. So maybe it's just becoming my brand that if you're a Penn State wide receiver, I'm probably going to like you more than I should between him and KJ Hamler the year prior, both of whom were very much coveted by me. So I, I'm with you. Parker Washington at this point in the draft could just be an absolute steal. Yeah, I, I just couldn't not take him. Um, it, it, was, it was just one of those things. Plus, I needed a wide receiver. I realized I had gone almost every position. Danny, back up. Round five. Here we go. 137. You guys, man, who I am jealous you had sitting there because I did not. So, Owen Papa, I'm double dipping at linebacker because, like I said, I think a lot of the Bears' financial resources in the free agent class are going to be committed to the offense, and the Bears need almost a whole new front seven aside from Jack Sanborn. Part of the front seven is three linebackers in this scheme. Owen Papo is another one who was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He allegedly runs in the four threes. The only way I can describe him based on what I've watched is uncontrolled chaos. He is fast. He is unbelievably athletic. The guy is just an unguided, uncalibrated heat-seeking missile. He has no idea where he's going. It's just cool. I'm going to guess the ball is going this way, wrong way. Oops. Let me just go chase the ball now. It, and there's nothing wrong with that. The the intensity and the physicality and physical abilities that he has at this point in the draft would be unbelievable to just take a gamble on because I like Papo as in just a physical traits prospect. I'm not going to sit here and say he's got some sort of unbelievable football IQ and acumen in that way. Not like when you would watch Jack Sanborn or guys of that ilk coming out of college. And Sanborn is not the prospect Papa was because he doesn't have these kind of traits. And coaches are always going to talk themselves into, I can develop these traits. That's what he would be. That being said, I think PFF is drunk in thinking he's going to be into the middle of round five. He's probably going to be a third or fourth round pick. But I would love if that were the pick at this juncture. I think he's a hell of an intriguing prospect who just has a lot more work to do. And people are going to see the combine numbers and the pro day numbers and a lot of the highlight reel plays that he makes because he's just such a physical freak. And not take into account that he does have a lot of work left to do. I think you highlighted it perfectly, Danny. Um, You take a Jack Sanborn who – 
was a the consummate professional, almost you can say, in, in college, was always in the right place at the right time. You could insert him in whenever you needed to, and he went undrafted because <laughs> he just didn't have the, those measurables. He didn't have the explosiveness, the, all that that you want in your draft pick. Versus with Owen, it's the complete opposite. Where and I agree that and he was gone. Um, I, I did. I was looking and I couldn't snag him. Um, having him in, in round five was just impossible, at least in the setup I had. So I would agree that he's he's going to be gone earlier because someone's going to see all those measurables. They're going to see that tape and say, "I'm going to target that missile. I'm going to be the one the one that has the control." <laughs> I can calibrate him. Let me just have him. Exactly. So. Uh, I want to highlight again, Danny and I did this separately. So I did mine at like 4 a.m. this morning, and then he sent me his at, in, at noon. I mean, that's one of the reasons why my pick numbers are all funky, because I didn't want to make adjustments at when I had other stuff going on. I uh, I also took today and Henley. It just happened to be that he was sitting there at pick five, around five and pick, pick 137. Well, uh, so I don't, I don't want to too much time diving in, because Dan. Danny has awesome. did a pretty good job talking about him already, but um, yeah, he awesome. originally committed to Nevada back in 2017. <laughs> spent his first few seasons on the offensive side of the ball as a wide receiver. 17 receptions for 232 yards and three touchdowns across those two years. Converted to defense, he had 50 tackles, four sacks, three forced fumbles, and an interception in 2022. I mean, he's just such a twitchy athlete, dynamic step. Again, he's gonna be that hybrid option. Um, he's he's got a nose for the ball too. He just always ends up around it no matter what. But as Danny highlighted, you know, body size is okay, but he's an explosive finisher. He'll struggle a bit as a stack defender, but you're not asking him to do that. Um, you're, you're, you're just, you're asking him to be the one that you have a nice defensive line in front of you. You have another linebacker there and he's just cleaning things up, you know, scorching through gaps. So I, I also like, I also like Henley. Uh, um, in the early stages of this process. Danny, round five, pick 140, got another Uh Yeah, so this was a, a, a value pick for me. I think Xavier Hutchinson is highly undervalued and really a better, if not more exciting prospect for me personally than A.T. Perry is. He's a true X receiver, long, just and just productive despite the having the worst version of Brock Purdy near the end of his Iowa State tenure. Whoever the left-handed quarterback is in Iowa State right now, that whose name I have no idea who he is, and he just he he uses his length and his body, and you he while he's not fast, he's really smooth looking. Like he just gets in and out real easy, and he 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 runs well after the catch. And I just think if you could potentially walk away with both him in this scenario for me, both him and At Perry, these bigger, longer armed wide receivers who who make who make defenders make a business decision for them after the catch because of their size and their ability to get after it post like post the catch that I think that's just great. And he's a deep threat. He, he wins 50, 50 balls. You know, he, they didn't ask him to do much in the way of a complicated route tree there in, in Ames, but guy just Xavier Hutchinson is one of my early leaders for like just a personal favorite to watch at the wide receiver position in this draft class. 
yeah, I specifically picked this picture for him because this is the kind of wide receiver that Justin needs. Someone who's got some rate, a radius, someone who's going to be able to make these tough catches because outside of Darnell Mooney, you really didn't see very much of that. And Cole Komet on that one really crazy seam pass where he got like flipped around and still held onto the ball. So I, I don't know much about, I know a little bit about Hawkinson, but the little I know, I agree. Like he could be a late, have some late round value. I'm back up round five, pick 159. And uh, uh, potentially a surprise pick here. Quarter. One of someone I know uh, is actually one of Danny's favorites, one of my favorites. DTR. DTR, as many know him. Yep. Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA. Six foot one, 205 pounds. He was a star quarterback at Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, earning four star billing as a recruit and a spot on the Under Armour All American team. He had interest from schools like Alabama, but Chip Kelly was able to pull him to UCLA. During his five years as a Bruins quarterback, uh, Thompson Robinson completed 844 of 1,300-ish passes for over 10,000 yards, 86 touchdowns, and only 33 interceptions. He added 1,800 yards and 27 touchdowns on the ground. Got great mobility, above average, but not elite arm talent. He's explosive, high-energy athlete who can create who can create at an extremely high level. Generates some pretty solid velocity with a snappy release for those inter, short to intermediate routes. Can adjust his arm angle and generate velocity off the platform. Uh, he possesses arm strength necessary to drive passes downfield, even when doing little fadeaways. Problem is, his footwork can get kind of uncontrolled, even frenetic at times, and he kind of invites chaos to, to the offensive side of the ball and, with some, and some questionable decision-making. I I'm like also... him from the idea just of having a quarterback that you don't have to change your game plan entirely when you're, if your quarterback gets goes out, gets injured, whatever the case may be. I like the idea of developing a quarterback. I like the idea of, you know, and, and having options. I don't like the idea of having Trevor Simeon as my backup quarterback. I'm also, I'm not thoroughly convinced he's not 76 years old though. I feel like every game, every year it was like Dorian Thompson Robinson is still the starting quarterback of UCLA. Like when is he leaving? It felt like almost like, do you remember JT Barrett at Ohio State where it was like every yeah. year J, JT Barrett was the starting quarterback for the Buckeyes? It's like, is he leaving ever? Like, I don't think he's real at this point. He's just, he he never is leaving. And that, and that does add to it. I mean, there's a reason why he's a fifth round pick, right? It's right. There's, there's a, there's a ceiling to it, whether it's because of him specifically, because of the UCLA offense and Chip Kelly, but he's, for someone who, again, threw for 86 touchdowns and 33 interceptions, there's a reason why he's not being billed as a top quarterback after five years. Sure. Round six, uh, and, pick 178. Uh, just to kind of get this question out of the way, I see that just got posted over here a couple minutes ago. Which wide receivers have the potential to be the, this year's Justin Jefferson and Jamar, or Jamar Chase? There is not one in this class of those two. There is Gallup. absolutely not. No. And again, I think those guys are few and far between. We've just had been so spoiled of recent vintage with one guy that does that. It's just not a fair expectation to put on these kids. Well, and yeah, even so, a there isn't a Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Julio Jones talent, and then even with that, a Justin Jefferson did some crazy things coming in his rookie year and doing doing what he did. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. look at someone. I don't know. Take a Cooper Cup. It took him time to become Cooper Cup. I remember I made the mistake of drafting him a year early 
in my fantasy team for that reason because I was like, I think he's going to be great. And then he sat on my bench because never did. And then all, the next year, he became Cooper Cup. So these guys take time. Mm-hmm. All right. Round six. Okay. This is Nick Broker, Ole Miss guard. So the thing I love most about him is, A, I don't think he's going to be available here, but I, the value is too insane to pass up. B, Tevin Jenkins, that kind of mold of attitude is what he plays with. He gets to you like a bully. He's mean. He's pissed off. He's mad. He wants nothing to do with you getting near his quarterback or his running back. He effectively feels like he will die before he lets his quarterback get hit. He has just got a mean streak. And then you start watching him actually move around and play. He's a very natural knee bender, fluid hips. He moves well. He's got light feet. He's almost like a dancing bear for a guy. I believe he's listed at 6'5", 305 or so pounds. Like So he's a little lighter on, on the lighter side as a guard, but for this scheme, that's okay. And that's probably what allows him to move around so well. Um, he, he, oh, and he's always looking for work. So say he passes off one guy or his assignment, he's always looking for the next guy to try and block. It's just how he's wired. Um, still needs a little work in his pass sets and pass protection. So he is much more of a block of like, especially with his athleticism and his ability to, to maul in the run game. I would say he's actually a perfect fit almost for this the zone run scheme that they're that they're utilizing here in Chicago. Um, whether I don't I, I don't think he'll be available in round six. I just don't. I think he's too good. But um, I really like his fit here, especially when you factor in the mentality above everything. Like hypothetically, say you were to get him and then sign uh, the right tackle from from uh, from Atlanta, whose name I'm blanking on at this moment, McGarry. Right. So you would be able to have a bunch of these guys who just are playing with a mean, nasty demeanor. And that's something I think is un undersold a little bit when you're talking about offensive and defensive line play because of the, the very nature of those positions. Yeah, I don't know who this guy is. So all that stuff that Danny said sounds great. <laughs> sounds awesome. Yeah. And because of his athleticism and his technique right up at at this juncture, he'd almost be like dropping in play, I feel like, at this point in time. Uh, Danny gets to go again because, again, my trade, my draft is weird. <laughs> my draft is weird. All right, so BJ Thompson was purely – I had minimal knowledge on him. I know he played defensive back, I guess, in, in, in high school before getting to Stephen F. Austin, where they bulked him up to around allegedly 240 or so. Um, I've watched very little on him, but from what I've read on him, he is just an athletic freak. Apparently, he's going to test in the 4-4 area, which means he's got a lightning first step coming out of his, coming out of his stance. Um, so it's really just a traits base picked. I have no idea where he's going to go in the draft. If he tests that well, I could theoretically see him getting bumped up as high as round three or four just because it's like, oh, my God, if we can just harness this guy's ability similarly how we were talking earlier. But I I don't really have much to say. He's a little undersized, clearly, 
especially transitioning from safety or defensive back to edge, similar to Dominique Robinson last year coming out of Miami, Ohio. Um, but the traits are there physically. Uh, it would just be a, a obvious just lottery ticket in the sixth round. It's it's funny because uh, when I was looking for a picture for him, I had to quadruple check I was picking the right person because he just didn't look like an edge. You know, like we're we're talking about like all these other guys higher up. Like uh, DJ Johnson looks gigantic at like two seventy. You talk about what Will Anderson looks like, just the mold. And I was like, oh, you look. I, I straight up thought he was a linebacker or like a corner, <laughs> like from the picture. So it is it is funny just how. Pete, that works where he got where he got shifted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, my final pick, round six, two ten, because I don't have a third. Because again, Pro Football Network didn't want me to have a seventh rounder. Um, I have Malik Knoll. He wide receiver out of Kansas State, six foot three, two hundred pounds. Uh, as a junior, played in thirteen games, had nine receptions for four hundred forty-one receiving yards and four touchdowns. But he also had two kickoff return touchdowns, uh, and uh, those were the second highest in the country. He had a solid senior season, playing all 14 games, uh, 48 receptions, 725 yards, um, and also two receiving touchdowns. He had a second-team All-American kick return in 2021 and was a preseason All-American this year. He was moving a bit between X and Z receiver, but projects more to be a Z. Average acceleration speed, but he relies on his size, that uh, you know six-foot-three frame to create separation uh, and he does struggle to create that separation off the line of scrimmage, especially if someone gets their hands on him. Uh, but he can create the separation on short routes using some wiggle. Uh, as a route runner, he's eh, but there's definitely some room to grow. This was just a, hey, you're a you know a decent frame receiver who can clearly do some returning. What, you know, can, can you help us there? Because when you're picking in the sixth, seventh round, you got to be able to contribute on special teams. Um, I don't need Khalil Herbert back there doing kick returns anymore. And the bears don't have an answer at punt return currently. Yeah. Whatever value you can find later in the draft. That's what it's about. Danny round seven, pick two twenty, and teams in a row. All right. And so this is kind of one that I picked because I think he's a scheme fit based on what he does and doesn't do well. Um, Cameron Mitchell, Northwestern University by way of Bolingbrook High School. Um, very natural ball skills. Isn't afraid to get up and, and play physical with someone at the, at the line of scrimmage, but I don't think that'll be his game in the NFL because while he is quick in a short area and while he is physical um, – I don't think he necessarily has the long speed or the or the uh, twitchiness, as it were, to go go make up for a mistake if he whiffs or gets just flat out beat. Which, with the way the NFL is, that you're designed to get beat by offensive players. It's just how it is. Um, he he has he's look he looks to have pretty good leaping ability to make, even though he's not like the fastest guy, which I'm sure is part of the reason why he has good ball skills. He's able to fight back and, you know, get up, get up on 50, 50 balls and, and separate them. Um, he, like I said, he's not overly fast. Um, he is a lot. When I say he's physical and handsy, he, like it'll cost him at the NFL level. If he tries playing the same way there that he did in, in the wildcat uniform, because he's just, he, it's his game. He likes to be, 
a, a presence and make sure you know he's there. He's going to have to learn how to effectively commit pass interference and do the hand fighting thing without actually getting flagged for it all too often. Um, he also has a tendency to bite on like double moves and like some of your more like sluggo routes and stuff like that, where he has to like sit down. He doesn't have the best route recognition, I guess is how I would phrase it. Um, so he's, he, he's limited, which is why he's a seventh round pick. I think with his motor and his physicality, if, if nothing else, he could be able to contribute on special teams. Um, but I think this is probably about right for him. And he's obviously a smart kid. Northwestern doesn't take dumb, dumb players. It's part of their, their thing in terms of recruiting. That's why they'll never have a great team because they don't take dummies. <laughs> uh, how dare they have those morals? How dare they have academic standards that they abide by? Fun player, though. He yeah, is that is breakdown of our of our mock draft. So you can see here, mine's on the left, Danny's on the right. Uh, you can see who we got. Uh, looks like Danny got a solid, little solid grade over there. They didn't like your Chase Brown pick. You know, PFF is well, well, not a big fan of the Brown guy. Well, are you accusing PFF of being racist, Mason? Oh, that was the joke I was going for. Um, so <laughs> overall, I mean, it's funny. There are similar. It's funny how there's similarities here. Um, I got Darnell Washington a bit earlier than than Danny did, but we both got him. The fact that we both got Diane Henley, which I mean, I don't know how many people currently listening to this even know who that, that is, and we happen to attach to that to that individual. I mean, after you get past the first three or four guys for both of us, how many people know who any of these guys are? If Right. Exactly. Um, but this is, but we're going to do this. Uh, like I said, every like two, two weeks or so, just going to run through, give you guys a, a breakdown of some players to keep an eye on people that we think might fit that might be able to help the bears out. Um, don't again. And I say this because I know Dan, I've talked about it off, you know, camera and all that jazz. Don't freak out about the the trades and this, that, and the other. But at the same time, like be be conscientious and don't and keep expectations normal. If the Bears don't walk away with seven first round picks, that's normal. Totally fine. Also, just really go look historically at what these picks typically go for. You'll get a, a one, maybe a three next year. The their one, and then a couple of maybe their two, and then like a four. It's never what you think it is. But yeah, and and then the thing I kind of talked about a little earlier too, uh, before Danny popped on, was the interest of the flexibility. It's yes, maybe you do a pick where, or like, let's look at Danny's over there, where you get that, that that's the haul you get. But do you flip that future first for an impact player right now? Do you flip that future first for a disgruntled wide receiver that pop in the next two months someone gets pissy and you flip that for it for a tackle that you're really happy about? Things like that. So look more for that versus pure draft haul. Mm -hmm. It's all about flexibility. And the other thing with the draft is, God, this is my lunch pail disclaimer that I give with Jacob every time we record that. It's a drafting is art, not science. There's certain baselines that are put in place that give you a better idea to see if a guy is going to pan out or not. But at the end of the day, it's just like, it's a guessing game based on what your style of art is. And does this guy fit your piece of, does this guy fit in your living room? Does this guy fit in your kitchen? Like, I I can't stress that enough. Like some guys may not work out here. Some guys may, some guys may have worked out somewhere else 
but they don't work out here. Just don't don't get too attached to what you think a player should be because it's you never know how it's going to work out. And as a reminder, if you're listening to this in podcast form, uh, you know, watch it on YouTube, watch it on the Twitter feed. That way you're going to get to see all the stuff we're throwing up here, whether it's, you know, these final results. I'm not going to sit here and read them all. You just listen to the podcast. Uh, or if you want to watch it, you can do it yourself. Uh, on that note, they did your boy Will Anderson dirty with this picture they have of him. Like, it looks like he is just <laughs> surprised to be there. I was thinking the same thing when I sent you that screenshot. I was like, man, they really um... – they really don't like Will Anderson, do they? Like they didn't have that single other thing on file, apparently. That was that was the one. They couldn't even just uh, text Will's agent real quick, like, hey, can we just get like a face face shot of him, please? Thanks. But uh that's what we have for today. Uh hopefully you enjoyed hearing this. Like I said, we'll be back. We're gonna do it again. Um we will pretty much probably just only use PFF from this point on for for uh, hoping obvious reasons at this point. Um and don't expect uh, again. You won't see me draft Jalen Carter again. You will not see, unfortunately, uh, uh, Danny draft A.T. Perry again. We're only going to do one-offs for every single one until the final one, when we'll do a live one. We'll have the thing up there. Right, Danny and I will be the brain trust discussing what trade to do or not do and this, that, and the other. Uh, and we'll have a grand time before the, the actual draft. But, uh, Danny, final thought? Uh, no. Um, please, listeners, hold us to it. If you see us pick someone else that we already used – let us know because there are a lot of players flying when you factor in we're each probably going to have at least nine picks each of these it's going to be hard to not repeat players but it's it's a, it's not a it's an act in us a having to be forced into watching more of these guys and b give you guys a better idea of who they are so thanks for as always for tuning in uh yeah go ahead and watch i think right now on ESPN they have like the some dodgeball and golf and, and stuff best catch go go watch that go, go enjoy some stupid football but uh espn that's all we got. Ocho. Fair enough. <laughs> Ocho. 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 Ocho.